Hello, welcome to Plant Chat Overwatch. We have a banger of an episode for you. It's the greatest of all time in Overwatch 1 DPS players. Did we split them up? No, we didn't. Did we do a top 20? No, we didn't. I'll tell you why in a sec, but for now, let the mold begin. <laughs> this is I, fucked. Did you enjoy your list this week, Avast? I, I mean, I honestly, I did enjoy, I've always enjoyed making lists because at the heart of it, you know, I said it to you on Twitter, I think the heart of it, it's about making people mad. That's really what it's about uh, for me. So I think that's the most important part. And I think this will make people really mad. One of the things that we had discussed on the show and one of the things, you know, I posted a tweet yesterday saying, there's 11 must pick players for the top 10. What am I supposed to do? And people were like, why don't you just divide it into hit, scan and flex? Oh, great idea, guys. Except what do you do when somebody's in the middle? And they, the, the Twitter people came up with this great idea. Doesn't matter, put them in both. The problem with that idea, guys, at home is if I put Yaki in one of the lists, but he puts Yaki in the other list, for example, or let's say it's Profit or Fletter or whoever, then they're going to get half the votes in both yeah. of the lists and they're going to be out of the top 10. So unless we all four of us sat down and put each player that was nominated into, into a list, it's just an outrageous amount of work. And as for why not make it top 15 or top 20, well, Kurt makes the graphics and he was already working making the sick graphics he's got currently so we're not going to make him slave away creating more and more assets for one show so this is what you get you get a top 10 of all time dps are there going to be amazing players left out yeah of course there are but that just makes it more prestigious more elite i hated this list <laughs> I absolutely hated this list more than more than any list we've created. I did a little bit of trolling with the other lists every now yeah. and then. A little, yeah. little bit of trolling, just sprinkled it in. No trolling with this one. Yeah. And I had I had seventeen players, I think, maybe more. There's water just seventeen out players, maybe more, in my list. That I, I just added them to the spreadsheet. Kurt only gave I, me 15 numbers. I just slotted them in at the end. I have a top 20 that I gave Kurt, but I don't think he actually no, used they, they, the they, bottom five. Anything no, below I mean, that is useless. I only filled out for 15 anyway, so the other five would not, like... If yeah, the, other, us, the others, they just get cut no, off. But no, it, they, yeah, no, this was so hard. I genuinely have somebody in my 11th spot that I feel I've robbed. Like, never, I haven't had that oh, about 100%. any of my other lists. Yeah. I've robbed somebody yeah. in my 11th spot. I have robbed, so, I think I've robbed multiple people. Uh, legitimately, I think I've robbed, there's so many, there's so many fucking good players. I stopped feeling is. bad at some point. I was just like accepting, like, sorry, sorry, dude. Like, you're, you're not cutting it. And I was just ruthlessly deleting names from my list. People are going to hate this. Caring, yeah, so. people are yeah, actually going to hate this. And also, I, I, I think it's worth clarifying, like, how you guys, uh, determined like who goes sure. where because i know for example matt he just like straight up admitted that he didn't really take goat smelling into account whatsoever because like Ooh. essentially so some people just like played brig and like that's not a dps hero so ultimately is that going to take into account when you rate like the best dps of all time how good they were at like brigitte well i mean for me then it's like okay well should we not rate saria gameplay then because that's a tank hero exactly. you know and so like you just go down a rabbit hole uh, well, to be fair for, for Matt, account, so. he was consistent because if he just didn't rate goats, it didn't matter because they didn't play. They wouldn't have voted Zarya or Brigida. It doesn't. But this, it, so. why this is going to be fun because that means that some what? people have just propelled and gained more points for him, 
and yeah. it's going to be taken into account. That's true. For example, I mean, some people are going to get hurt by that, but some people are also going to benefit from Matt's perspective because people like Carpe, <laughs> yes. I mean, he had a pretty shocking, I mean, it wasn't atrocious. People tend to overplay that, but it was quite a bad goat's year. Yeah. And then that just poof, it disappears in Matt's head. So I, personally, I did take goats into account. And the primary thing I was looking at was the years of dominance. So with DPS, there are a few people that started from like 2016, 2017 who are still playing the game. And it's you don't just have to have longevity in my head. You have to have multiple periods of either being like the best or like top five, because even top five, you could argue, is being dominant in that year. You know, especially when you consider there's a DPS duos that tend to be dominant. Yeah, if you're the fifth, you're still nasty. But anyway, years of dominance and years of greatness. So great being the level underneath dominance. So I listed out how many years were they dominant? How many years were they great? Did they win a championship? Oh, and you, I tried by a numbers approach. I tried to do, not exactly a numbers approach. I didn't like put a weighting yeah. on each one, but I kind of listed them out and I thought, is this person more deserving than this person based on their years of dominating the game and sure. whatever they actually accomplished whilst playing? And I'm still not happy. Yeah, I'm not yeah, happy. With I mine. did something similar, but then I, th th I'm so I'm so stupid. I'm not worthy of making this list because I like I did what you just said. I spent three hours on stream and one hour off stream to make this list, and then for some reason before well, just you're, before you're I submitted to the turn, I stream. just like reshuffled it. I just spontaneously <laughs> reshuffled like two, three names. And now yeah. I wake up the next day and I'm like, what the fuck was I thinking? Just moving the names around. It's like a Twitch. I just like twitched and just accidentally messed them up. Yeah. You're so actually I'm so, so brave doing on stream because sure. you're going to get like 500 backseat berries over there. Like, but why did you not consider this guy? And it's like, yeah. yeah, I did. But like, it's just like an impossible task to do to catch everyone. Cool. So, oh, yeah. well, you said something like a, a, a very ominous general oh, quote yeah. at the beginning of this. Oh yeah, I was going to tell you guys um, that despite you guys having trouble, there is the second least amount of, or the most amount of parody among players, oh, oh, except oh, for the main oh. tank episode. So there's only 23 total unique players that were picked between all five of you but oh, 15 players listed each wow. wow that's pretty good i yeah. actually restrained myself pretty hard though i will admit I, I was tempted to just like throw out some bangers but i was like no 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 like because the thing is with dps I mean, top 10 the thing is with dps is that there's so much history can, for a lot of these dps players yeah. that there's way less room to make an argument of like okay this player was really good for a short time so they should make the list because i think their talent was so great because there's so many really elite dps players that were, have been elite for a long time yeah. like you can't like the windows are so long i can't just be like okay throw this guy that's been there for six months like it just throw him in there like uh, you just i'm can't gonna hate this so much what how i want one final question before we get into this <laughs> to what extent did you apply your idea of like skill in there if they weren't if they were like a great player on a bad team mm. or if they had had a season where you thought they were spectacular, like the best player in their role, but they didn't actually achieve any stage wins or a title or a championship. To what extent did you value just that raw skill? Because I did value that, but Not as much. kind of Not as much, down no. the list. Not as much. To it was, it was something that was supplementary for me um, alongside things like achievements, longevity, innovators in a particular role or speciality. Um, yeah, titles taking that into yeah. consideration. I I was off the goop when I made my list. Like I was I was off my meds. There was no focus. 
Like, I had no focus. I was going... I had no structure when I was building my list. I was delving into time. I was bridging... I, I don't know. I was... I fucking hate this. <laughs> okay. I actually yeah. fucking hate this. It. This is going to be horrible. Just is we everyone just... at home ready for a hate watch? Because that's what this <laughs> is about to be. <laughs> okay. Where do we start? We start with the 10th place. As always, working our way up the list. So, Kurt, let's kick it off. Let's see who makes the Ooh, list. Oh, it's already going to be so Who bad. sneaks in at number 10 for our greatest of all time DPS? It's Sparkle. Ooh, Down okay. there at the 10th okay. position. And Avast says, so hyped he had every Owl team looking to drop him the bag for his rookie year after helping pioneer the Element Mystic Hackfist style. Yeah, I think the, the quote... I mean, I remember when Sparkle... When people were first talking about Sparkle, everyone was like, this dude is the next superstar. Was Sparkle. Like, when he was coming out of his rookie year in Element Mystic, when he was playing, and people were watching how Element Mystic was playing in Contenders Korea, everyone was like, this is the guy. Like, this is the rookie that everyone's looking at going into the next year of Overwatch League. And then a massive bidding war essentially happened. And somehow, when the when the chips all fell, he was on Paris Eternal. And I don't know what, somehow. <laughs> but it was, a, it was like a really fucking crazy lead-up year for him. And... The realistically, one of the reasons he's even this low on the list is just when we talk about our criteria, he just hasn't been in the league and is dominant for as long as some of yeah. these people, you know? That's like the number one reason. Also, like compared to like some of the hyperflexes, he's not really a true hyperflex, which also I add hyperflex uh, as, as part of my list into like it adds extra credibility to me. Right. Like if oh, you were just an extremely not. dominant hyperflex. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I didn't actually weigh that, so but a lot of the people at the top tend to be hyperflexes for me anyway, just because it's Yeah, they tend to be longevity. that way anyways, because they're so yeah. good that that kind of works out, right? But it's like, if you imagine, like, Glister, right? He's a hyperflex, but would I put him, like, on that list for being a hyperflex? Like, no, not necessarily. Uh, but either way, Sparkle, the guy helped pioneer a meta, I think, really trying to redefine 2019 Contenders Korea in many ways with him in Doha. Uh, and then came into the league and was an explosive personality, was was like amazing and all the heroes he played huge super huge impact and then for the dallas Whoa. fuel continue to do that and learn tracer when he didn't think he was going to be a tracer player at all learn tracer was he an elite tracer not necessarily but was he a great tracer and did everything he needed to do despite never being one before yes which was amazing from a player perspective being like primarily a flex dps that has not played too much tracer in the past competing at like a top overwatch league level yeah. so he's been very very good yeah i i think he had a pretty short stint in the Overwatch League, I mean, like only a year and a half, but the word you used of us was impact. And I think Sparkle had a lot of impact the time he spent in the league. And also he was one of the few players that I actually kind of took into account his contenders time as well, like how good Element Mystic were in contenders. There's only a few players that did that. For example, like Runaway, when Runaway was super dominant in contenders, uh, Element Mystic as well. But apart from that, like I looked at Leaves' resume and I was like, I'm sorry, dude. Like, I'm not going to take into account you dominating in Chinese contenders in 2017 against yeah, players yeah. like PP uh, and getting finals MVP. Like, it's it's not happening. So, but Sparkle, that time he spent on Element Mystic, coming in, playing the Genji for Paris Eternal in the Summer Showdown and then winning that stage, you know, thanks to Hanbin and Fielder, etc. But Sparkle being so impactful and then helping Dallas Fuel in 2021, I, I think he had a pretty lengthy career when you look at it, like three years of, or two, three years of like good play and uh, versatility and impact. Yeah. 
And, and something that doesn't get talked about too much with Sparkle is how good he was as just like a fill or glue player for Dallas. You were mentioning yeah. that he picked up the Tracer, but that wasn't all he played. He played they anything played that that team needed, basically. And that wasn't his case on the Paris Eternal. Paris tried to really build around his Genji. That's why all of these highlights that we're playing are of him on Genji, because it's flashy and it won them the Summer Showdown. But when he played for Dallas, he was, um, he was still a great player. He didn't have that niche that he occupied for them. His niche was, I will, I will fill. I will be the Soldier 76 player or the Tracer player or the... What the hell else did he play for Dallas? He did played he a play bunch of other stuff. Didn't he play like Symmetra? Sim for them Symmetra? or was that yeah. Doha? Yeah, he yeah. played yeah. Sim for them when they were pioneering that style of doing the Sim Rush kind of stuff. He just played a bunch of stuff. And that, that to me is... It's less flashy. And so some people might not intuitively have him on this list for, for that period of time. But I think that shows such a good team play aspect to Sparkle, where he's able to pick up anything played at a smart level, and they came third in the league that year. I mean, that's nuts. This guy absolutely deserves his place on the list. He wasn't on my top 10. Oh, Brennan, <laughs> really? <laughs> he was, he was, from the rest of us. He was born in a wrong era. He was a solo <laughs> lost the time. <laughs> What does that mean? It means that his his excellence on Genji was only appreciated for such a small window, and I feel like his flexibility that is fantastic um, was not necessarily enough to to bump him up above other people on my list. Now he was he was towards the bottom of my list. I mean, he's about yeah. in the right place for me here. Yeah, that's so. About right. When I'm saying that I feel like I robbed my 11th place player, I could see a world where I bump Sparkle out and put my 11th player in, but I really feel like he deserves his spot in 10th personally. Yeah, I really yeah. respected, like you, like you mentioned, his fill ability for this, for this team, for Dallas Fuel. Like, the ability for him to learn new heroes and play them well and be a fill player, on top of the fact that, like, we are forgetting just how elite his flex DPS is. Like, it is really, really good. It's just he hasn't had much of a chance to play it since, like, Paris Eternal. Uh, especially when you have a player like Doha on your team, who is also <sighs> insanely good. Yeah. Um, so. All right. Let's take a look at number nine. Ninth above Sparkle on the greatest of all time DPS list is Carpe. Interesting. Here we go. Carpe was a genuine MVP candidate for 2018, rolling until the grand finals. His Cassidy in the first half of 2020? Oh my. <laughs> he, what? I, I assume that's what these highlights are actually, is the beginning half of 2020. And Carpe's a player that gets a lot of polarization in terms of people's opinions about him. If you're a Philly fan, you think this guy is just got the Midas touch, he can't do any wrong. And then there's a lot of the community that's starting to come around to the idea that he was like overhyped or washed or whatever. But the fact of the matter is 2018 was, okay, 2017 and earlier didn't really do too much. He was someone you were keeping your eye on, but I'm not really rating his contender's yeah, performance yeah, to be honest. Career. So 2018 though, genuine league MVP kind of candidate for the regular season and for what he did in the playoffs too. People remember the grand finals where he got battered by Birdring and Profit, but he was rolling up until that point. And a huge part of why they made it to the grand finals in the first place was his and EQO's ability of playing that double sniper. Then, okay, 2019, it's a bad year for him. That's why he's not higher up the list, in my opinion. But his 2020 playing with this team was fucking sublime. They won the regular season in North America. He was pounding people at the beginning playing Cassidy. And then... 
towards the end of the season, he didn't quite finish with the same gusto he began with. But when you have a career that, that that's that long and you have highlight like peaks, let's say, that are as good as his 2018 and the beginning half of his 2020, you have to make the list. He's just he's just a lock for the list, in my opinion, due to his longevity and his peaks. Hmm. He, I'm going to say if we had split this list, he would have made my top 10, but he didn't make my top 10. Wait, what? He didn't, he didn't make, make my top, top 10. He didn't make nope. either of your top nope. 10. I'm actually, I'm actually, he, he was right outside of it. I'm of the opinion. I did weigh goats, by the way, but I, I did weigh goats, but I didn't weigh it that heavily. And it's kind of like, it was kind of like an extra thing. So goats hurt him, obviously. Yeah. But I didn't weigh it super heavily. His 2018, obviously, elite. He didn't have... And also, here's something else that hurt him compared to a lot of people that I put above him, especially when you think about how many DPS players we have. He had, like you said, Josh, essentially no career pre-2018. Like, he essentially had no accolades. He was a no face clan. Yeah, but that wasn't and, amazing. Just, no, no, no. <laughs> and he was on BK Stars! Whoa! <laughs> like, so, I mean, like, so the point being is that, like, he didn't have that going on for him. His 2020, I will say, like, the first half of it was really good, but really the latter half of Philly season was heavily defined by Hisu and Ivy, not yeah, Carpe. Yeah, um, and then his 2021 was extremely meh. Uh, so, realistically, there are so many DPS players on this list that have great, like, oh, very, wow. that much longer periods of dominance that have consistently done well and have done more pre-Overwatch League, in my opinion. Do, it doesn't mean he's not a top 10 hitscan like, tracer player. No, he is. But the reality is we have a collated list, and he just didn't make the list because of that. But nice. if we had split the list, he would have made them. We're, we're only on the ninth pick, and I already sense, get the feeling, that I've been very generous to DPS players in the GOATS meta and, like, overrated <laughs> them for that year. Wow. Because I, I was probably a bit too kind to Carpe in that regard. Because, I, I don't know, it, it, there's some kind of, like, caretaking part of me that's just like, oh, you poor DPS player, you couldn't play GOATS, that's not your fault. <laughs> like, you were really good at all these DPS heroes, but then they forced this stupid tank support med on you, it's not your fault! And I still rated them pretty highly because of that, so... Corporal was one of those. I mainly rated him because, like, in 2018, as you said, he was an MVP candidate. It was like Jonak, Carpe, and then Bedoshin, like, in, in the playground, you know, like a, a lesser Jonak. But they, they were, like, the only three MVP candidates, right? Am I misremembering? I can't exactly remember oh. who the third would I be. I only remember everyone, Jonak and Carpe. Honestly. But Carpe was that good. Like, he carried games playing Hitscan. And then, as you said, early 2020, he was an MVP uh in, in like the early half of 2020 he was so yeah. good on this mccree but then you said like he dropped off um pretty hard i had him a little bit higher on my list to be honest with you because he was so dominant and like because he took over games i think i can look at my list to some degree and sort of ask the question like how scary were they in the lobby when you played against them if you had to play against this player how would you rank them how scary they would be and carpe at his peaks was fucking scary. Like, this guy was a maniac playing Hitscan Hero. So I had him a little bit higher because I think he was so dominant at his peaks. Yeah, I, I mean, he still had a year and a half of dominance, right? Like, the 2018 and then first half of 2020 mm -hmm. is a year and a half yeah. of being one of the best players in the world, one of the best DPS players, like a handful. And so... The really aren't... I mean, I don't know. Maybe we're defining dominance differently, but I didn't really find too many players that had more than two. No, no, it's pretty rare. Like, I, two years of dominance is about the peak. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. One and a half is still incredibly good, in my opinion. We, Why didn't he make your list? We've heard from he Connor. Did, he, he made the top 15. Yeah, yeah of course he, he did. Top, yeah, obviously he, <laughs> he made, made top 15. 
He yeah, made he my made top 15. I would hope so. <laughs> no elaboration. He, he was, was 15. An MVP he was 15. A year and a half. Okay, 15's pretty low. 15 he was 15, which is yeah, going to absolutely gross. annoy some people. It's already annoyed you. Ooh, I mean, that is I don't, harsh. listen, I don't I, want I, to, I don't want to take away from this guy's accomplishments, but in terms of Carpe's career, I always felt like he was shielded and protected from criticism because of the narratives that fans had created for him. When at times, at times, I felt like his play style could be quite bad for Philly. At times, I felt like all the emphasis that was placed on him gave the understanding that he was the, the crux of essentially the only solution to all of their problems when that's not true. That's not his fault as a player. As a player, he's fantastic. But I think sometimes we can be blinded by those narratives when we're looking back at how good he was. He was fantastic in 2018. Don't get me wrong. But I look over the entire history of Overwatch 1, and in terms of hitscan players, like, dude, it, it, there are so many incredible hitscan yeah. players that had longer yeah. series of dominance. Okay, well, let's, let's oh. take a look at some of them then. Let's have a look at number eight on our lists. This is above Sparkle and Carpe, eighth best DPS player of all time. It's Rascal. All right. Bren says, from Kongdu to Dallas and getting dropped only to grind it all back in tier two and earn multiple titles. A true legend. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't think you can deny this. This guy plays all these roles. He fulfills that... Um, the niche of the guy who's an innovator. He picks up a new role, and he's the first one to do magic on it, I think, in a lot of my eyes. He did this early on with Echo, from what I remember, and the thing that I always remember is Batiste in, in Goats, but again, that's Goats era. And yeah, did it this like guy's just... As well, actually. It, it got an incredible storyline. The fact that he had success in Apex, ended up joining the, the completely disorganized Dallas Fuel. And most players, when they get their careers killed by Dallas Fuel, they never come back. But he grinded on NRG, he grinded in contenders, he worked his way back in, and he joined the league and immediately had a very tangible impact on the shock, this system that he was playing within, and earned multiple titles with them, and played a key part in a lot of those, a lot of those wins across the board. I really respect Rascal as a player. And now he's the assistant coach of, of Dallas Fuel. He's having his own impact in wider ways. Obviously, that's not related to him as a player. But the guy, I think, showcased something that not a lot of players have, which is that ability to just keep grinding, keep working, and also innovate and push forward roles. He did it many, many times in his mm. career. He's a bit of an interesting player to evaluate, right? Because he's not like... Correct me if I'm wrong here, Valorant guys, but he's not like your typical Reina Phoenix duelist, right? He's more of like, you know, the Sova. Ah, uh, okay. He's more like, he's more okay. like you know, the, the, the side character. It's a bit more glue in this guy, you know, flexibility, yes. innovating, you know, Supportive because when you look DPS. at Well, he doesn't steal the show. He doesn't, well, I mean, he can steal the show, but what I mean is like, when you look at his biggest career highlights, it's like playing Brigitte for a shock you know, in the 2019 year. It's innovating on Batiste, a support mm -hmm. hero. It's uh, perhaps playing some May, and then he had those moments playing Genji that I've already ranted about um, in the Countdown Cup. I actually had Rascal at 8. Uh, you can't forget about his 2017 year as well, playing alongside Birdring on Kong de Pantera in Apex Season 3, one of my favorite teams ever. But 
Rascal is not your typical like click headshots and get frags highlight DPS player, but I did give him a lot of credit for like the way he's able to innovate and fill that flexible role in teams like the San Francisco Shock. So uh, a very interesting player to evaluate, but uh, I had him highly because of his flexibility wanna, in that way. I know I spoke a lot, but I want to add a little bit more as well onto what Johnny said because it, it ignited something in my brain. But I really did respect any player that is able to play not just not just one singular role defined like hit scan, aim good. You know what I mean? His intelligence was just pervasive in every role that he touched, it felt like, in terms of him pushing it forwards as a player, which is really valuable and something that a lot of people don't notice a lot of the time. It, this guy, I think, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not going to say no, anymore. I, I already spoke a ton. I'd like to follow up from that point too, because I think a lot of people are going to expect our top 10 list to be the flashiest players, the players with the most highlight clips or the players with the highest peaks. And to me, Rascal defines the exact opposite of that. Not because he never got highlights, but because he helped your team win. Not by getting all of the kills, but by being the player that helps you get those advantages elsewhere. For example, the May play, the uh, the uh, Sombra play, play early on, the um, the Brig play. He's He's the supportive element, and it can get overlooked. But there's a reason why his team's that he's played for are considered some of the best we've had, right? His early pairing with Bird Ring and then his latter pairing, like when he's playing for the Shock here, he's paired with Striker, uh, different pairings when they're playing Goats. But the point being, he always brought the ability to win. He's not just a guy that's going to flashy hit shots, but ends up um, not making the right decisions or, or prioritizing himself instead of the rest of the team. He's got an ability to find the edges and understands what it takes in order to actually win games, win titles. The guy's incredibly decorated with an outstandingly long career that spans back to, what, 2016? I think so, yeah. Or like tw at least, at least 2017. 2017. Definitely 2017. Yeah. I can't remember 2016, but yeah. Yeah, guy, I can't exactly remember. But anyway, one of the longest careers, except he did take some time away during like the 2018 season, didn't look great for him because he was essentially benched for Birdring and Profit and then had to grind his way back through year two but his yeah, 2019 season is fabulous he's not often talked about because there were other stars on that team for sure but his 2019 season was fabulous and he was playing pretty much all the time and then people forget that he was insanely good in the finals too the meta changed for the 2019 finals and rascal continued to be a god tier player for them that actually started doing more of the highlighty stuff you expect from dps people so you know that pairing of rascal and architect was just as good when they put those guys in to go and win maps in the finals or the semi-finals etc so yeah i actually had him even one spot up um i i think rascal's a legend I mean, he's in my, he's definitely in the top 10 list. And I think it's hard, it's hard to place him just because of, like you said, he's a supportive element and there's so many players that we're ranking here, but he's <laughs> undoubtedly a top 10 player in, of all time in DPS. Like the guy who fucking pops off. Ren he's just burned his tongue on the T. So <laughs> okay. <running> away. Okay. <laughs> Goodbye, he's going to Brent. run his mouth under the cold. <laughs> but he's just... <laughs> I don't know why you took a drink. I, I listened to you, Avast. I heard what you said. I mean, there wasn't much more to add. Everyone else already said that once you get like three people at this point, for the most for most players that are pretty universe that we all agree upon, there's not much else to add. Like Right, right. Yeah, yeah for like, sure. The guy for the sure. guy is really fucking good, and he's also a special anomaly in DPS players that he was actually more of a brain player than an aim player. Okay. Who's next?
This Let's is gonna get so messy. Oh my Let's god. Let's take a look. So, number seven. Greatest of all time DPS. Haxal. Here we go. Reinforce says, Haxal's peaks in 2017 and 2019 are some of the highest ever reached by a DPS player. And he had the potential for more. Jonathan, tell me more. Haxal is one of those players that I think in hindsight, I perhaps rated a little bit higher, but I did it for good reason. Like, this guy was so incredibly dominant uh, at, at his peaks, like I mentioned in the quote. 2017, playing for Runaway and Contenders, his Genji was iconic. Like, he was one of the most... I, I, I think if you look at all the players who played in, like, Apex 2017, Haxal was, like, probably, like, one of the top three that people would tune into just to watch Haxal play. Because yeah. he was so entertaining playing the Genji for Runaway, and it was so influential on their playstyle and why they were so successful in Contenders. It was a massive shame that he did not play in the Overwatch League in 2018. And I think he was eligible, right? I think he was age eligible to play in 2018. Mm. Uh, maybe I'm thinking about... Uh, I, I can't think, remember if he was I don't eligible. Think he was. I can't remember if he was eligible. That I mean, time, so. it's kind of a moot point anyway, because the team wanted to be picked up as an entirety and never mm -hmm. got yeah. picked up. So that's more of the reason why. Oh, he couldn't but... play. He couldn't play, actually. He wasn't eligible for 2018, which yeah. was a massive change because of how good he was in 2017 and how how, how uh, star-studded he was already then. He was looked at as a superstar going into the inaugural season of the Overwatch League, but because of age reasons, he couldn't participate. Then we go into 2019, Vancouver Titans, they pick up the Runaway squad. Everyone's so excited. This is one of the most revered rosters in Overwatch history. And he plays the best Brigitte in the entire league for like a year straight. And not only that, he's dominant on the Brigitte for the Vancouver Titans pretty much the entire season. And then he comes out and plays the Doomfist as well for the Vancouver Titans. He's a big reason why they're able to make this deep run with the team as well in the double shield uh, meta. He was just like... He, he, he was like the fucking cherry on top of an amazing foundation with the Vancouver Titan squad because he was the superstar player on that team of an already great, well-rounded roster. Um, 2020, obviously, Vancouver Titans had a very unfortunate end, uh, but he joined the New York Excelsior. It wasn't the greatest season, I think, from Axel in compared to like 2017-2019, but I still think that he put like his weight. He played some Sombra in the uh, Asia playoffs. Uh, they missed out on one spot, I think, qualifying for the final four. I think they got third in Asia. But he at least like contributed to that roster. And I think he had about equal playing time to some names like Nene. I think he played more than Libro, etc. So he contributed in 2020. But the big reason why he was rated highly for me was just like how dominant he was on this Genji, Doomfist, and being able to actually flex uh, to some other different heroes as well and remain like one of the biggest threats in the server uh, if you play against Axel. Yeah, I just... I, I agree with everything you've said. I just want to add on something about that 2020 season because at the time in 2020, I was paying particular attention to Haxal because I was really interested in that storyline of how the uh, former Titans players would perform on other teams. And so I went and I vote reviewed a bunch of his play. I think his May was actually fucking awesome in that pe period of time where he was playing it. His May had been good before, but it wasn't something that he'd gone pretty hardcore into. But if you remember the meta at the time in early 2020, it was pretty heavily centered around playing May a lot. And Haxal's aim, his positioning, his awareness of how to neutralize other threats, he looked nasty good. And the team wasn't as functional as his former roster. And so I think, you know, that tends to get 
downplayed a little bit of like 2020 oh he was just there you know but actually if you go and watch the footage the guy was still a great player playing again a, a kind of another role that you don't usually associate with Haxel. you don't say Haxel's may is so fucking good but it was and that's you know, I gave him another like half a great year just for that level of performance because yeah, he only really he didn't really play full time for that in New York squad. They didn't have him in the rotation constantly, but I thought that performance was also extremely solid um, and very likely to get overlooked because the team didn't do too much. Yeah, he was pretty good. I think I think realistically, the the only problem I ever had with Haskell Haxel is just the reality is when we look at this list, a lot of his ethos on us is carried on pre-overwatch league so for so you know 2017 era which is like it's not weighted as heavily for me it's just like i said it's something in the past i've considered where like okay obviously they're really good it's something you add on top but the reality is like you can't take only pre-overwatch league dominance to it like in my opinion i just weigh it less also goats where he was undoubtedly the best brigida and also a really good doomfist but i didn't discount goats but like i said i weighed it very I did not weigh it very heavily comparatively to a lot of his list because a lot of DPS players that were truly phenomenal were not that good at goats. Um, so like he kind of didn't get as much credit from me, at least like eight points because of the fact that like I shouldn't weigh goats as heavily. I do think he's this player where undoubtedly, if you make a top 10 flex DPS list, you would be literally insane not to have him on there. Like you would be insane not to have this guy on there. It's just for me personally, he was like sitting right around the edge of like the top 10 of the overall DPS list just because of the factors that I said. But realistically, he's one of those players where I feel like I kind of robbed him because he probably should be in there because how good he was. Like you said, Josh, his 2020 was still pretty good. It was still pretty good. It's just New York was bad. Uh, it's just, but he himself was pretty good. But I'm, I'm not, I don't think there's anything upsetting about the fact that he's made it on the collated list here. He's a fucking legend. It's just unfortunate that so much of his career is weighted pre-Overwatch League slash GOATs where and I didn't weigh goats as heavily overall. So Adam a fourteen. Holy <laughs> Is this again because you were It's above Carpe. Yes, it's above Carpe. On my list. But also, I mean, the arguments that Connor's presenting make some level of sense. If you discount pre owl and you discount goats, mm -hmm. I mean that is a huge yeah. proportion of Haxel's yeah. gameplay. Exactly. I mean that's almost in yeah. it entirely. Yeah. Was it the same I don't, for you? Or? I don't wanna I don't wanna put my argument forward from the perspective of Haxel's a shit player because he's not in my top ten. Yeah. Because yeah. But what I struggled what I'm looking for so is much what here. factors were you rating? Titles, longevity. Um, I mean, they came second Haxel's, place in everything, so he doesn't actually have that many titles. With Haxel's individual performance as well as a player, not even, not even his individual, his individual performance is not in question. The guy's a freak mechanically. When you look at his his history of playing on multiple teams on a multitude of roles, like there's no discounting that. But it didn't get your juices flowing. Not even that. Again, I feel like it's a similar situation. Maybe I'm just fucking built to go against the grain. I don't fucking know. <laughs> but something about Haxal, and again, just the narratives that come about this guy, he got a lot of... He got a lot of leeway when it comes to criticism. And he rarely misplayed, but I know internally as well, his mentality for how he played the game was not how Overwatch really is played as a game. And he's a very demanding, resource-driven player. Maybe not changed in his later years, but I know early on for a fact, it caused issues with teams that he played on because he's a very demanding player individually. 
Bryn wants stoic Overwatch. I don't. It's he not wants that. Stoic it's, Overwatch. It's stoic that I, I acknowledge. Overwatch. I acknowledge his individual skill. He's he's literally. 14 out of the top DPS players of all time in Overwatch 1. Do you know how many DPS players we've had in Overwatch 1's history? Yeah, that's, it's still hundreds. Yeah, it's not a bad thing. Hundreds. What's the list? He would be 100% on the top 10 like, hundreds. DPS and It's a statement yeah. that he's 7th here with even me putting him on 14th. Aggravate, sure. the, the aggregate results, you all think that he should be placed higher, which I completely respect. Listen, I submit my will to the machine, <laughs> the algorithm. I care not if I am wrong. I have removed my ego from this list. Okay. But my personal reasons are that. I think... Titles, I respect a lot. I don't think he really, he came close to some titles. His individual skills, for sure, unquestionable. But there are players I've got above him that achieve things that also achieve similar peaks in skill and had similar reigns of dominance. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Absolutely. I mean, I'm with you, Bryn. It's just I didn't have him nearly as low as you had. I'm, yeah. I was I, off the goop when I made my list. Like, so. I don't I'm not faulting anyone for having a different evaluation model either, right? Yeah. Well, like the point of the fun you know, of this is that people rate yeah. greatness differently. Pax was right? also a yeah. really tough player to rate simply because his best years in the highest competition was in goats, which was yes. like such a it's just yeah. such a ridiculous thing for a player of his caliber to have been stuck into. It's simply some sort of sick cosmic dick that we're having to take here. It's just it's not it's not cool. Okay. It's not cool to like that. But it's just what is this? All right. Well, All right. let's. I'll tell you, I've got, I've got a player missing here. I've got three. I've got a player missing got a player too. Missing. I've, no, I've no, got sorry. five players I, left. I mean the, I mean the opposite way around. So we're we're about to unveil our sixth. I only have five players left in my list. Same. So uh, somebody's in there that I didn't put up at all, and I'm wondering who. But I think I have a clue. Anyway, anyway, that's a bit beside the point. I have nine. <laughs> <laughs> I have nine that I haven't seen yet. Yeah, only one of the players we've unveiled was in your top ten. Oh yeah. my god. Incredible. Incre these these lists at the end are gonna be so fun to go and review. Okay, but anyway, let's get on with the order. It's number six coming up now. So we're just at the tipping point in the middle of our top 10 greatest of all time. It is Leave, a long and storied career as the best Chinese DPS player ever, and one of the best in the world, says Avast. Yes, says me. I actually, so the thing is, this is interesting because I, in 2020, when Leave entered the league, I remember when the great Leave dick sucking began. And I was like, hmm, I'm going to have to see like what's going on here. And in 2020, he was kind of like Kevster. He was, I think he was better than Kevster in his debut in 2020, but he wasn't like this second coming of Christ that I was expecting no, no. when I heard of him. But then in 2021, the man was fucking ridiculous. Like, in fact, he was so ridiculous. It's one of those shameful things. It was like a Rick and Morty effect where he was so good. It pissed me off because everyone just wouldn't stop bat chesting about him like all the time. Like, so it, it was really unfortunate because like he actually is that fucking good. Like his 2021 was a trans was a transcendent performance. Literally, you, I, you haven't seen such hard care performance in Overwatch since, since like the beta days where no one knew how to play the game. And this is like yeah. with the highest level, the most polished the game has ever been. Uh, and, and the players, like it, it is insane how good he was in 2021. And his 2020, Mind you, was still solid. And this is on top of the fact that his he was, by far away at this point, proven to be the best Chinese DPS player ever uh, in Overwatch 1. And his he does have a very long history of being well, extremely dominant. Pre well, the crazy thing is, this is the reason I put him on my list as well, is, is the counterpoint to that, which is that he was one of the best when he came into the scene, 2016. Like, there was yeah. a lot of hype around him. I believe he, I mean, he was playing on the World Cup team, I think, for China Brad at that point early well on, right? Uh, that, 2017 so. World uh, 2017, Cup, 2017, and yeah. he was looking so good. 
But how many players Maybe 28, take yeah. it? He, he was the rare exception I made to my list in terms of, by the way, titles earned and also that kind of longevity because it wasn't really there in terms of the history. How many players can take a two-year break from the game and come back and look like one of the best? Yeah. When the game reaches peaks in terms of mechanical demands and internal game sense. So many little micro-adjustments and evolutions of the game up until that point. It takes a two-year break. It takes to it like a fucking fish in water. Like, yeah. you don't see that from players ever, ever. This guy takes a two-year break, and he's one of the best that's ever done it. He's not high up on my list because of the accomplishments that are missing from his list. From his, If you go over his, like, Liquipedia, you're not going to see many of those number one spots. But, my God, this guy was just different mechanically, and his ability to catch up after that break is absurd. It's a talent that no, no, not many people are going to be able to do. Yeah. Just to speak to that kind of point a little bit too, though, one of the reasons that I found it very difficult to rate him at this kind of position as sixth is because those years were missing. And I don't put that on leave because the Chinese Overwatch scene at the beginning of 2018 was fucked. I mean, that Shanghai Dragons team should never have been formed. It was an abomination against God. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> And then 2019 as well. Like, the guy's essentially absent from the scene for two years. But, I mean, that's not good. That's not a good thing for your greatest of all time career, you know? We're not looking down the checklist, and one of them is take two years of absence from a four-year-long game. No. Or, like, five years, I guess. Not. But when you add on top of that the fact that the contender's career, or, you know, like, pre-Owl career, wasn't actually... He wasn't dominant that year. He was probably the best Chinese DPS player, but China wasn't amazing. He wasn't at the same caliber as like a Haxal or a Prophet or a Bird Ring or Rascal or, I don't know, I could keep naming names or a Who Are You or, you know, there's a lot of different names here that we could name who are much better DPS players pre-Owl. And so I feel like when you're rating leave, you're rating two things. His insane, extraordinary raw ability and the unbelievable 2021 season that he had. Because the 2020 season was great, I would say. Possibly yeah. between good and great. It was a very, very solid to um, a, like well above average performance. Uh, but 2021 was otherworldly. And then you're kind of also rating the fact that he's just one of the best players we've ever seen in terms of that raw skill. So I found it very difficult on a greatest of all time list to actually give him this kind of ranking. And I so feel like I've dragged him down. I've dragged him down here. Watch League a little bit because his team literally won everything in China for two years. Not for two years. Yeah, it was like 2016. Uh, I guess actually they not so much. I guess actually they weren't playing in, but like in 2017 for sure. I guess 2016 yeah. towards the end of 2016, they were winning everything, but not everything during 2016. But essentially you had like a year and a half-ish or so of just like winning everything in a region. I mean... It's I mean, like a year, and they were excluded from Apex, where the best players were actually playing. That's kind of like saying Rogue were, you know, like, winning everything because they were dominating Europe. It's, um... Well, yeah, but I mean, also, that would, that would have mattered. In terms of the context of great players, that conversation would have mattered if we, one of the players continued to be, if Kishona 2021 season been the best, if soon to have been the best DPS player in 2021 by, but potentially, like, the best by a pretty large margin, just how raw mechanically, that argument would have some context of, like, Remember, this guy used to win an entire region for a year and a half, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, to me, it's, like, just added flair to, like, when you think about his whole career, 
if you have someone that's that extremely dominant, it does add some weight, like is cool. when you talk about his recent performances, right? Yeah, I, I get not that the point. overall most important part. And this is the one player, by the way, I didn't do it for most of these players, but this is the one player where his raw skill was so insanely high that I did on top of his other, like his 2021, his 2020 and his past compliments where he did get some extra points from me. I didn't really do it for anyone else. Anyone else on this list, I was like, because also everyone else is so good anyways, it doesn't matter, but his mechanical skill was so ridiculous and we consider him a recent player, even though he really isn't a recent player when you compare him to likes of like Pelican or, you know, like even Ons where he really only played one year for the most part. Like, uh, I do think that like there is some arguments to be made about that there for him. But I think yeah. this is a relatively fair ranking in a collated list. I think it's a fair ranking. Yeah, I, I knocked him down a little bit too. And I didn't, those those people who did just play one year, I didn't rate them very high either. Because no, I, I didn't like put anyone that only played one year yeah. on my list. Um, so. so you guys already covered it, but I just wanted to emphasize. Like, I don't th even think it was necessarily Leaves' fault that this is how his career turned out and that he didn't have more longevity and, uh, you know, were present more in these big tournaments and these um, big moments that a lot of these other players were. Like, up until, up until that World Cup in 2018, China was a joke as a region like it really was i'm not even kidding i'm not trying to be disrespectful here i'm trying to yeah. be like honest well, i remember, and, like, I literally remember describing it, it china was, as a region in terms of meta development as throwing shit at the wall and seeing what stuck yeah yeah because they just like, they weren't playing that yeah yeah and 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 so i i i think that is not Leaves' fault, you know? Like, he, he was the, the, the shining star that stood out in the Chinese region. But, like, if you look at Apex 2017, like, those teams that ended up playing that weren't Korean teams, they were invited. And so, it, you know, it would have been on the Apex organizers to be like, hey, we want to invite uh, a Chinese team like Miraculous Youngsters, if that was the case then, to really give them that chance. Like, you can't look at Leaves' career, and I'm not saying, like, any of you guys did it. I'm just trying to cover, like, others' viewpoints here. But, like... It was unrealistic for Leave to participate in the Overwatch scene that a lot of these other players that were relevant then uh, were. Like he didn't have the same chances, so that's not a that's not Leave's fault, but that's just kind of how his career turned out. And then Overwatch World Cup 2018, and that was the end of 2018, by the way, uh, ended up amazingly for China. That's where they really made a name for themselves. Shanghai Dragons had just gone 0 and 40, and then starting in 2019 with that World Cup performance behind them, that's where China as a region really started to become a force to be reckoned with. That's where you started talking about Gu Shui as one of the best winters in the world. Leave, of course, making a name for himself. But then he came into the league in 2020. Chengdu were not even that great of a team in the APAC region. And I'm not going to say that individually he was poor, but he struggled to rack up some of these achievements that uh, other play players in the meantime were doing. So... It's a bit of a shame because I would have loved to see how Leave would have uh, turned out if he was with us from day one and participating at day one. But in hindsight, that's just not how his career turned out. And if you have to rate the greatest of all time, he he takes some hits. So it's a bit of a shame. Yeah. So let's take a look at the top half of our list. Just breaking into the top half, number five, greatest of all time Overwatch player in terms of DPS is... Striker. Striker was a top two tracer of 2018, carrying Boston, and helped win the 2019 Grand Finals. His 2020 tracer was dominant, winning another title, I, says, says me. And yeah, Striker's <laughs> one of those players, actually, that doesn't have the longest time span. Right? He didn't play a huge amount of the 2019 season, for example, and he didn't play uh, a massive amount of um 2021 either so 
it's really about what he was a... Oh, plus, he doesn't really play a huge amount of different roles. He's mainly known for his tracer. So I can see reasons why people wouldn't have him up at this position. But my God, the guy's impact is astounding. He's... I don't think it's unfair to the rest of Boston to say, without striker, there is no chance they get close to their performance in 2018. And there's a good argument to be made that he was the best tracer of 2018. Uh, and you could argue that was the most impactful role of the entire year as well. Some might say flex support when it came to Jonak, but the amount of tracer that was played over the course of that season and the battles between, for example, him and Sebi Albi for, for who really won that role, Stryker continued it in 2020. And again, it was like between him and Fledder, Stryker ends up being the best for my money and was uh, nuts. He did flesh out his hero pool a little bit further, he helps him win two titles. And the reason why I say helps him win two titles, despite the fact he didn't play very much of the 2019 regular season, is because he was playing a lot of the uh, playoffs for them in 2019 as well. Didn't play all the time, and it wasn't the most impactful role either. He's like mostly Reaper, playing right? the Reaper for yeah, them, Yeah, he played right? Reaper, yeah. Yeah, so it's not like, it's not a crazy hard carry kind of role, but he directly contributed to the most important matches of that season. And so if you're looking at if you're looking at the two championships he has and thinking how much does he deserve them, there's certainly the 2020 one, absolutely, holy shit. And the 2019 one, yeah, he did his part on that team, even though he didn't play for the majority of the regular season. So, yeah, this guy's this guy's nuts. Yes, an irreplaceable player, I think. If you have him on your team, I think he's, like, you know, when we were talking about, like, Carpe and stuff, like, part of the reason when I thought about Carpe, why he didn't be in those lifts is, like, are there like think about especially when we get higher up on the list of this top 10 is like could you replace this player and like the answer is like i could replace carpe with someone like striker you know but you can't replace striker with someone like carpe in my opinion i think strikers tracers the truth i think his hit scan level up was insane and it's it just overall like the man was just built differently literally just built differently like he is he was a freak of nature a simply a, a little a, just a korean boy designed in test tubes to be good at gaming he is so fucking good at gaming that it's it's insane. It, like, I remember 2018 watching him play, and, like, when we were doing our tryouts for Boston, our online tryouts, and I was like, who the fuck is Stryker? I remember <laughs> when, he, like, we were doing our, like, tryout process for this, and Krusty was like, oh, yeah, like, you got to see this kid. Like, you got to see this kid. It's like it's like one of those baseball, like, movies, you know, when, like, the rookie <laughs> walks on field, he's been, and he comes out there, and he just fucking hits a home run, like, right off the bat, and you're like, holy shit. Like, this guy, like, I remember he was playing a 200 ping and just feasting on people just straight yep. fucking feasting uh he he is unbelievable i think it, it, he's probably the sole player on this list that gets this this much props for me simply because he was so good at one role like but he was so unbelievably good at that role especially a high impact role that's been so incredibly important in overwatch's history that you can't discount it and then like josh said his hero pool rounded out a lot he like he got a lot more hit scan experience he played reaper um and he was really good he was pretty he was elite level at those at those characters too uh so for someone that's undoubtedly in my mind the best tracer in overwatch history uh, and also being elite level at hit scan and reaper and stuff i think that he's uh deserves a top five mention with how also incredibly dominant he was it's kind of crazy, isn't it? When you think back upon Overwatch and there's so many different asterisks you have to make at all different times. We had a GOAT season. I mean, we've had like an online season where the there's regions no, were there's completely no game split. Like it. No, there's honestly also, no game like you it. Got, you got players like Stryker who it's like, yeah, Tracer was so important that being the best Tracer in Overwatch history 
kind of auto books you into the top 10. Mm -hmm. And then if you're the best Genji in history, you might not even make the top 10. If you're, mean, if you're the, cool. <laughs> if he you're was the a best, man lost in time. If you're the best May in history. He was born in the wrong era. No one gives a fuck. You're the best Junkrat in history. You're currently coaching the Houston Outlaws. <laughs> it's like, it's such a weird game because part of it is luck about like kind of what you specialize into and how good that is. But the, the thing that I always think about with people like Striker is that when Tracer is a must pick, there is so much more competition for that pick. If you're, if you're a niche silly hero person, you might be one of only three niche silly hero players in the league. So it's easy to be the best at that. When you're trying to be the best tracer, every team has a tracer. Every team is trying multiple tracers. Every team is trying to get their tracer to be the best tracer. And you're head and shoulders above the competition. That's crazy. We should do a best silly hero specialist top 10 list. Mangachu, Junkrat. <laughs> Mangachu, Blase, oh Ding, like Junk, Jay. Hydration. Like, Youngjin. Yeah, Hydration, Youngjin. Like, yeah, Youngjin was so good. Mm -hmm. We could have a great silly hero specialist. Yeah. This, uh, I, by the way, I've asked, I'm just going to start calling Striker the truth from now on. He is. His tracer the was truth. the truth. It was like, it, it, was, it was probably like, it was probably a, like a, like a fucking Ten Commandments moment. I was, I, I was a heretic in 2018 for, for saying that he was the best tracer in the world. Yeah, uh, I mean, well, it was a hot take. One of those things. I remember you very distinctly. Everyone was just talking about Sabi Olby all the time. And then around like stage three, when Boston went on that run, I think you were one of the people who started like, hey, Striker and Sabi Olby are the top two and Striker yeah. might even be the best one. Um, well, so. Brent, I think Brent was quite firm on Striker being the best one, even after, because Sabi Olby ended up beating him in that he finals. Did, in that finals, and he got bested. But but I still, uh, Brent I, maintained that Striker was better as just his I team was, was worse. And, I know that was ages ago, by the way, but that stage three finals was epic. Like was. that was Ridiculous. an insane showdown. Also, just the storyline was way. brilliant building into it. You had a team that was the dominant one of the entire year that had the best tracer historically and the team that had done the perfect stage with the new upcoming best tracer. It was just the perfect matchup. Yeah. I actually had Striker uh, a little bit higher in my list. Um, Ooh, and higher. Okay. I had him a little bit higher. I dragged him up. I dragged Striker up from the depths of hell and pulled him up to the number five spot. Um, I had him higher because of that dominance in 2018, like you addressed, Boston Uprising, and how, how much he helped that team do good. And then it's just had 2020 was a fantastic year for him. And he got the finals MVP in 2020 as well. So obviously he ma contributed massively. And then also he was part of the 2019 playoffs and helped San Francisco Shock win the title that year as well. So a bit of a shame that he flamed out in 2021. Um, I can't remember whether he retired because he was like uh, tired of the game. Like he was. Uh, I mean, there, there were, were some. Uh... There were rumblings. Oh, there were rumblings. There were oh, okay. some, as Bryn would say, hmm. Haxel moments, perhaps. Yes, there, the, there were rumblings oh. that he was um, difficult I don't to blame work him. with as a teammate. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, he wants massive. He contributed massively. If you just if you just take away the 2019 regular season, like the first three stages, goats. If you just remove goats and you look at the entirety of 2018, the playoffs of 2019, and strikers 2020, I don't think you can find a player that's almost like as dominant as he was and as impactful for Boston Uprising and San Francisco Shock in that time. So it's almost like. We had to delete part of his history because Ghost was a thing and he wasn't as good as Rascal and Brigitte and he wasn't as good as Sinatra and Zarya. So, like, at, at that point, I'm like, it's not your fault, Striker. Again, it's not your fault, but those three years, he was absolutely amazing. So, I ran him a bit higher because of that. Yeah.
I think that's I think that's quite reasonable. Let's take a look at who our number four is. We're starting to get into medal territory, but this player is just on the cusp here. Our fourth greatest DPS player of all time is Bird Ring. The definition of goated with the sauce, <laughs> says Bren. Been here since day one, and with his resurgence in 2021, earns his spot high in the rankings. I like how you spelt resurgence. <laughs> like I said. Well, actually, I added these quotes this morning when I just woke up while I was doing Wordle. Okay. And okay. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't spell check any of it. I just kind of... I just rushed it out. And I cannot think of a better target for Goated with the Source than Birdering. Because... Yeah. He, he really has been around in the scene for quite some time. He, he hits off the check mark when it comes to longevity. His individual performance and peaks that he's had as well, his moments of dominance have been there. Like the guy was uh, pivotal in terms of the 2018 championship finals. Uh, I mean, a lot of the focus will be on profit, but he was also a huge part of it. And then we had these huge question marks surrounding him as a player from 2018 after that point onwards until 2021. It felt like vindication for me watching him in 2021 as a player because I had essentially given up, I think, on him as a player. I felt like, you know, maybe the environment of Gladiators coming into a new team environment, maybe this is what he needs to reignite the passion in his career. And my God, did it happen in 2021? This guy put up ridiculous performances on Gladiators. Ridiculous performances. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, he's achieved titles, he's achieved longevity, and he's achieved miraculous peaks, which I think are all what I rate really highly in terms of my DPS players in my top 10. I think also when we view Overwatch as a game, looking back, Prophet Birdring is the greatest DPS duo in history. In my opinion. Ooh. I think looking back... Oh, lip. I, I, think, I actually think that I actually think Prophet Birdering is the greatest DPS duo in history historically. When you look at like everything they've accomplished into like you were to mash them back together and just turn them into some sort of like chimera monster of each other, like that is probably across all their accomplishments, the best DPS duo. Mm. Um in my personal view. I just and I the do think that take Bird, I think Birdering being up I didn't have Birdering this high, but I'm not I'm not uh I'm not mad at it. I think he's an incredibly good player. Um, I mean, he's won the league and was very integral to it. Uh, he had an incredible 2021. His 2020 wasn't bad either. Um, and then his 2019, you know, I don't think he was very good at Brigida, but I think he was all right. Like, he was okay at Brigida, which adds something compared to a lot of other DPS players that were just straight not good at goats in any form. So, very, very good player. An absolutely goaded with the sauce pick. I agree Did with he quit in 19? What's sorry? No, he was, he was still with Spitfire. He yeah, he was Spitfire. still with Spitfire. I, I think, you know, I, I told you guys that I made this list of, like, each year, what would I rank it as? And so I made this, like, dominant, great, good, meh, bad. And I actually put Birdring as bad. I put Birdring's 2019 as, like, being just firmly in the bad tier. But I still had him all the way up here because it's hard to find a player with more time in the game who's accomplished a similar amount and had similar levels of peaks and dominance. His early, early game performance is crazy. Pre-Owl, what a fucking menace he was. People are obviously going to remember, like, Prophet, for example, for the end of 2017, but Birdring, beginning of 17, uh, beginning of 2017, end of 2017, he was still fantastic, just wasn't quite a Prophet or a Haxal. And then 
like all throughout the 2016 kind of portion of his game too, even though that's only really like half a year, still fucking menace. 2021, menace. 2018, menace. He's just had so many periods of time where he's been at the top of the game. And yeah, 2019 and 2020 um, regular season were not great. 2020 was all right. The 2020 playoffs, though, you could start to see it again. Mm-hmm. You could start to see it. I can't remember exactly which teams he was playing against at the time while he was on the Gladiators, but I guess this is probably one of the matches, actually, from that playoffs, right? Gladiators Mayhem? Yeah, with OG uh, in space. That's probably yeah, from they, that year. They beat Toronto Defiant, then they lost to uh, then they lost to Philly in the regular playoffs. And then they lost to Florida Mayhem. So they got uh, 3-0 swept twice in a row in the 2020 playoffs. Right, but this is, this is their playoff performance. And yeah, I'm not talking about how the team itself did, but how Birdring did in the 2020 playoffs was like, holy shit, old Birdring is back. And then he carried it into 2021. And that, that to me pushes it over the edge. He's not just a player that was... Old school guy was good in 2018 and 2017. He actually had a resurgence late in the career. And it was just, you know, when you look back on the entire thing with the benefit of hindsight, it's more to do with 2019 and 2020 being a bit of a blip in his performance. And, you know, that's a two-year blip. But over the course of six years, that's actually not that much. For anyone else, that might be crippling. For Birdring, it's not because he's had one of the longest playing careers you could possibly have. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) I, I agree with you for, for the most part i agree with you and it's about consistency here i also rated him uh, pretty highly because of like how consistently he was a big presence uh in the overwatch league uh these last four years and obviously as i said 2017 great as well he didn't he didn't quite have the same peaks though i would say as some other superstar players like in the top five like we, we're coming up with some names that had some insane peaks um and i mean Someone who didn't even make the list because of his peak was like Ants as well, like insane peak. Like I felt like Birdring was more of a consistency player that like was just consistently great. And I mean, you pretty much addressed that already. But yeah, I, I I had to pull him down just a hair because he wasn't overtaking games as much as some of these other DPS players who just like took over games in that regard. Mm. Okay, all right. Yeah. I see you. I understand you. Our top three. I mess. I messed up though. But you, you messed know, up your top did. three. You messed up. Huh? Uh, no, my top three. No, not my top three. No, but I could have moved bordering up a slot. I think. Okay. Okay. Well, let's see who made the third, the bronze for goat DPS players. Brent still only. Brent still got. Brent's counting on his fingers. Like where are all my players? <laughs> six players who I haven't seen yet. Okay. Well, we only have three spots. Who takes the bronze? It's Lip. Oh my god, legendary Sombra play packed into a hitscan masterclass. Accomplishments and a long storied history on Shanghai. Brent, talk to me about my favorite player, Lip. This guy's a, I don't know, man. He's a menace. How, how, how do you want me to describe menace. him? I think he pushed, he pushed the field of Sombra play individually, but it's not just that speciality that makes him so good. It was also the fact that he was at times looking like the best hitscan player that's ever graced the game. And he's got the titles and he's got the history and he kind of did it all on the same team, kind of just playing in that one role. Yeah, I think Shanghai's had a lot of DPS players that they've kind of weaved in and out over the course of their history of, of playing in titles and whatnot. But 
Yeah, I mean, this guy was was just fantastic to watch. Um, I, I, I don't know what I'm saying was. Is he retired? I, I don't well, know. The game has ended. We are going yeah, into Overwatch 2, yeah. so it was is a fair term. But yeah, his Sombra play was... There's, there's not many players, I feel like, in Overwatch, or even roles in Overwatch, where you can have such a large weighted impact, where you can literally feel them shoving their weight around the server as they're bullying other people, but his Sombra play was one of them, in terms of just the efficiency of it, the way his team worked around it. But that's not even the major selling point of this guy as well, it's the fact that he played other roles and was playing Hitscan to such a high specialized level that won them so much. Yeah, he's, he's my favorite player. I didn't have him higher on the list though, I didn't let that affect me. But I think he, he absolutely deserves a spot up in the top half around this kind of placement. He's, he's nutty. And maybe if he'd only... If he had replicated his 2020 season, then maybe he wouldn't deserve such a high spot. But the 2021 was even better in different ways too. Not only was he the best Sombra in the world, which he was since the very beginning of 2020 when he joins the Shanghai Dragons and continues to dominate, but... His, I mean, in 2020, his Cassidy performance was nutty. Then you add in the Hanzo that he's got. Then you add the Ash. Then you add the Tracer that he pulled out in the main melee. And you're starting to add all of these layers onto a player that's already got best in the world on one of the heroes. And you're starting to add, like, potential best Cassidy player, potential best Hanzo player of the season. And you're like, holy shit. Like, calm down, dude. You're, you're overloading. You're overloading. And there are certainly other candidates for those kind of heroes as well. That's what makes Overwatch so amazing is that at any point, it feels like you've got five players in contention for those hitscan kind of positions. But Lip was certainly in that, in that kind of place. And to me also, he felt like one of the players that defined how Shanghai played. I think Shanghai tended to be like how Void wanted to put himself in position, and how Lip wanted to create advantages for the team. And then the rest would capitalize on those advantages that Void and Lip create for them. That's how I always saw the Dragons, personally. I actually, I had Lip a little bit lower than this, and it was solely just because he does it, compared to so many of other these players that have been around for so long, he just doesn't have as much history. Yes, and that's, that's true. Very but true. That's literally it. That's, that's the only reason he wouldn't be higher. If, he, if I had just not taken into account history, I think he, I had him up in this top three, for sure. Um, but like, I'm not even mad about it because he's so good and so defining for the Shanghai Dragons as an organization that, and it's wild to think about, like when I talk about like how I think Profit Birdwing is the best historical DPS duo. Like if we remove the history factor, I think Flood of Lip is probably better. But when you include like just how long the game's been out, like sure, Profit Birdwing because they've been just around longer, but that's how good Lip is for being such a relatively new player compared to like so many people that are on this list. He is incredible. And he, he, many ways, he kind of redefined how we viewed Sombra in the league. Um, so it is really cool, just like what this type of, what this giant, I remember when he showed up, it was like the Nexus Cup, right? And I was, and he walked on stage after the game I saw him for the first time. I was like, holy fuck, this giant is like, <laughs> this guy, this guy is the dude. Like, that's incredible. Like, so it, it was actually just, uh, I think he's an incredible player and is a spot at the top of the list. Yeah, it's it's it's. I knocked him down to fourth because of what you said that uh, he Same. didn't really have any history going into 2020. But I, when I made this list, I made it similar to how Josh made it. I like rated the years and like how good they were. I think Lip had the two best consecutive years. Like I don't think anyone, any any other DPS player on this top ten list had such a two good consecutive years back to back that Lip did. 
because as Joshua already covered, like he was already great, uh, dominant in the 2020 season. And then in 2021, he just like turned up, turned it up a level that I don't think like people even think he could have because it was already so good in 2020. So it was very hard to stack him up against some of these other players who had two years. Like, for example, like Huxal had two really good years. I think, you know, Carpe had like good year and a half. Stryker had two good years, but Lip, I think, despite lacking the history that some of these other players did, he had the two best consecutive years, and that propelled him all the way up to number four in my rankings. Yeah, yeah. It, it does bear mentioning how out of nowhere this guy came from. He, he didn't have pedigree on some contenders roster that everyone was paying attention to. He was dominating the Korean contenders ladder in 2019 and playing for... I can't even remember the name of the team. What was the name of the team? Can someone quick look it uh, up on like Overdodger G or something? It was called... Uh, Blossom? I'm right now. Yeah, it Blossom. Was it was, yeah, it was Blossom. Blossom. Which so, is also where Ons was from, I believe, right? Uh, I don't know whether they played in the same time period, though. No, not Anz the same time, was, but the same team, I think. History was super early on. Yeah, but... Yeah, but um, Ons was with Blossom. But yeah, Lip was, and I think they were playing in like contenders trials or something. Yeah, and he was just open division and then trials. Yeah, like it's not even, it wasn't like this guy had been performing really well in Korean contenders and dominating the ladder. He was a real hidden gem that the Shanghai Dragons plucked out and immediately became a beast just straight off the bat. Right from the beginning of 2020, you could see the hit scan prowess was there. And then you saw this Sombra and you're like, Jesus Christ, this guy's going to be good. So... Yeah, an absolute monster and definitely someone to keep an eye on in Overwatch 2 as Sombra gets a buff and his stocks are through the roof. <laughs> in 2018, in 2018, Blossom had a DPS duo of Lip and Ans, <laughs> and they went one and four in Korean contenders. <laughs> yep, <laughs> that's nuts. There you go. That's crazy, yeah. Okay, number two, the silver medal in our GOAT DPS mm. list. Is Fletter had a team invented? Sorry, oh, a term. <clears throat> had a term invented just to describe his pure carry power. Says Avast, unbelievable flexibility and impact on every hero in his huge hero pool. Yeah, I mean, when you have a term made, when you literally get a, a word made in the dictionary for you, and like the Overwatch lexicon for how fucking hard you pounded, uh, you know, you're probably going to be behind the list. Uh, because the flood of deadlift was crazy back then, and it's still crazy now when you think about the just how what that was. And this is a player that has remained excellent, has won a championship now, has had an incredible year even before that too, and just been incredibly dominant, flexible. The, the tr one of the definitions of a hyperflex, you know, of a of a true dominant hyperflex player. Um, and he is just monstrous. He is absolutely monstrous. The guy is crazy. Uh, and he's in contention for what we talked about, like the two best DPS duos ever in Overwatch history, include, and one of them include him, you know, with Flood and Lip. So I, I, there's not a lot to say because I feel like just having the term Flood a deadlift, just having that in the Overwatch lexicon essentially encompasses how good he is. Mm -hmm. Like when you just kill half the, get half your kills for, for a game of 12 players and you get half the kills for your team, like that in a game like Overwatch, that's insanity. That's what's, just insanity. What's interesting to me, though, with Fledder's career overall, is that that term was defined because he was a player with obvious talent on a really shite team. I mean, a truly terrible team. Although the players from that team ended up, some of them doing really, really yeah, well Yeah, but no one else could do that, even on bad teams. 
Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, it has been done a couple of times in the Overwatch League, but not, I mean, at the time it was a truly like, what the fuck yeah. is going on here? And, but anyway, my point being that 2018, the guys, ob- sorry, 2017, the guys obviously got talent. Playing with Flashlux, this guy's maybe the next big thing. Get signed to Soul Dynasty. They didn't actually play him all the time. And even though he had big impact in some of their matches, in 2018, he didn't become that player that, all of the attention was on him. He wasn't the best player in the league. The Soul Dynasty had so many problems. And then in 2019, you see some of the same. I mean, he didn't get played all the time. He wasn't a dominant player in 2019. And even towards the, the playoffs when the meta shifts, he starts to look incredible again, but not... It, that wasn't his year. But 2020 and 2021, holy shit finally has a team around him where he can play up to his potential just following up team play is perfect the timing is perfect never takes a step wrong doesn't make mistakes he's just unpunishable it felt and always able to get value across 2020 and the 2021 season with that crazy deep pool. and and that's what's interesting to me is he has a four-year career basically like, since he joined the Overwatch League, 2018, 19, 20, and 21. And he was so outstandingly good as a player, but didn't actually achieve too much in those first two years, that it, you could have seen his career just go down the path of, like, wasted potential. Had he not been on the Shanghai Dragons team, he might be one of the best players to ever not make a list like this. But he's he found that squad where he was able to showcase the the talent that we'd all spotted in 2017. I, I just think he's got a nuts storyline in that manner. Yeah, I, I, I think if you were to make like a movie or like a documentary, obviously no one would, but like Fleta would be the main character because he has such a very interesting story. I mean, as you described already, he was to carry on Flash Lux and Fleta Deadlift and that resulted in him getting picked up for the Soul Dynasty. And going into the 2018 season, Soul Dynasty was supposed to be like the Korean team. I mean, that came from Luan Kai, which was one of the most popular teams at the time. And now they picked up Fleta, the best. Uh, I mean, he wasn't even known as like the best TPS in Apex, but just like people knew he had potential. People knew he had talent. And then it was early on in the 2018 season. I don't know if you guys remember, people were already talking about Fleta as becoming like the faker of Overwatch mm, before yeah, he had I even accomplished anything. Yeah, before he had yeah, even like, like Flashlux. <laughs> well, <laughs> Some other people I think, Brent, I think I posted a tweet yeah, okay. about it. Like I somewhere. didn't want to out really? you, but... Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I was young and didn't really understand you were not much alone, of the world. Brent. You were not yeah. alone, Brent. You were not alone, Brent, okay? No, I, I, no it, was, it, was, it was a silly statement to make. But a lot of people agreed. Like, I'm, I'm saying, like, that was a narrative that, like, people wanted to see Fleta, like, fulfill that destiny mm-hmm. of his to become like, oh, this guy is, is, is the robot Terminator on Seoul Dynasty, which is Korea's team, the most dominant region at the time. And he came into the league, and he was really good. Like, I remember some of those matches in 2018 still. Him playing Farah, him playing Widowmaker. Like, he, he, he legitimately brought some carry performances at the time, but it was a dysfunctional team, like, to the core. Like, it was just all over the place. Miro was not as great of a tank anymore and he couldn't really adapt to the Overwatch League and Rije Hong ended up playing Winston for this team. They had Wikid in there. Uh, I mean, it was all over the place. Was Sefer part of that team? No, that was 2018, maybe. Um, 
I can't remember actually, but it was a dysfunctional team, so he wasn't really allowed to flourish and fulfill that storyline of his. And then, as you said, 2019, they changed a bunch of stuff up, not really his year either. And then he wins the MVP in 2020. Well, I mean, you won the MVP, but you didn't win the championship. And then 2021, he finally wins the championship. So, as you mentioned, Saicho, it's a very like storied arc. Like, it's a very interesting story to follow, go through Flat in his career in that way. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I put him at number two as well because of his flexibility and because of the fact that he can play McCree like this and he can also play Echo and that 2020 run he had. Like, he, he yeah. has a very well rounded uh, and fantastic individual skilled DPS player. It's, it's kind of funny looking back at his career when you were mentioning and talking through the years that he's had in play. But I was thinking that I think it was a blessing in disguise him being placed on that dysfunctional Soul Dynasty roster that didn't know how to make any of their players work. Too many cooks in the kitchen with the coaches and never really met his full potential because a very... I think that there's a trap that a lot of teams fall into when they get these superstar DPS players and mm -hmm. it's that they focus entirely on trying to empower that one player, which Fledder ne never really had. He was We always described him as a low-resource DPS player. I mean, he certainly was in 2020 and 2021. We always described him as that, as a low-resource DPS player, and I think that's part of what's make, honestly, what makes him so good as one of the best of all time that's ever done it, is because he didn't, he didn't get pinned into that trap where players would play around him as some other DPS players had, because I think, in some ways, that limits your growth as a player. It limits your potential. Fledder, he played everything, and he showed us peaks that we... I don't know if we'll ever witness them again. I mean, some of the most iconic moments in the game as well that, that I, I can think back on fondly, despite the, sh the box that I was trapped in, <laughs> the, the cast in his performance as well in 2020, he, he just pulled magic out of thin air, but did it all as not even the focal point of the team at times, which is incredibly impressive incredibly impressive and i think it's that it's that career progress that he's had where he's never really been the major focal point in his early career sure but teams didn't pick him up with the strategy of building around him as a player and i think it helped develop him into what he is here today yeah i think that's pretty fair an absolute uh an absolute legend i mean it's almost uh it's almost poetic that it did work out this way because you saw it coming but it just took a few years to get there it didn't happen immediately. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that sets up our number one. The greatest of all time DPS player to grace Overwatch 1. I'm sure you can guess who it is. Let's unveil it, Kurt. Number one is Profit. Profit is the goat, and I'm a massive <laughs> simp, says Reinforce. He had 500 characters, chose to use 50. I'm so happy for my guy. Really though, I felt I felt like I felt like I got number one by profit, uh, getting number one here. Really though, I mean, I don't know if you guys really consider some of these other guys uh, like possessing this unnatural godlike ability. But there were moments when Prophet played the game that he like legit turned like invulnerable. Like he was just <laughs> he didn't take damage and he just walked around just like killing everyone on the map. Like it was a cheat code. Prophet was a cheat code at times for the Nono Spitfire and later on the Soul Dynasty as well. Like some of these highlights he would pull off, he would just kill entire teams by himself, dominate on so many different characters. Where it was the, the Tracer when he started out uh, building his legacy on GC Busan, 
flexing over to the Genji in the finals and taking down Haxal in the finals. He just like conjured up the Genji. He was like, yeah, I can play Genji now. Sorry, Haxal. And he just outperformed <laughs> him in the finals. Like, that's unbelievable. And then he carries the Lono Spitfire, not by himself, but to a large degree, he was massively influential in Lono Spitfire winning the 2018 championship. 2019, Goats meta, not really Lono Spitfire's flavor of the month. But then later on as well, he makes the Grand Finals with Soul Dynasty in, in, in 2020. And he's known as Playoff P, okay? He just gets better when you need him to show up the most in playoffs, in elimination matches. I and mean, he was already a star player besides that. I mean, I, I can't coom enough about this guy. He, he was legendary in his GOAT. Yeah. What, what also, I find this aspect gets destroyed in the playoffs argument too, is that people assume if you're... Uh, a guy that peaks in the playoffs that you must not be the best in the regular season but he is so consistent he does not fall into the category in my opinion of one of those players that drifts through the regular season and then only pops off in the playoffs that isn't him to me profit is always going to give you phenomenal performances in the regular season matches he just goes even further beyond in the playoffs that that's Crazy, because there are other players who, like if you think even about Birdring, his partner, right? There were times for sure where Birdring felt like meh in the regular season, but then beasted in the playoffs. Like 2020, for example, is an exact year like that. Profit never had one of those years. He was always nuts in the regular season, just turned it up even further. And he's a freak. He's a freak. Yep. There's not much more that needs to be said, I think, about Profit. I mean, this guy has been one of the best to ever do it near the beginning of the game and has remained consistently one of the elites of the elites almost every single year, I'd say. And I would argue probably every single year. I know you, the counter-argument to that is Goats and his involvement. But uh, even then, I remember looking back at his Goats play, with that being so team-focused in terms of the whole team needing to be a hive mind, his individual play in Goats wasn't even that bad. Dude, he fucking tried. Yeah, he, he, I, that was the one thing I could always tell, is that he fucking tried his heart out, even during the Goats meta. And it was so team-dependent, and the rest of London really didn't care that much, that it didn't showcase, it didn't materialize. But in my mind, every single year, he's been consistently one of the best, if not the best. I think one of the craziest things, too, about not just the longevity of his career, because I don't think any, no other player on this list has been as good as long as Profit, other than, like, maybe Bird Ring, really. Like, those are probably, like, the two in terms of how long their career has been and how good they've been. No one else has been as long as him. But also the fact that, you know, we asked, like, who's had a better back-to-back -back consecutive years than Lip, right? But you could argue for 2020 and 2021, Profit? was still relatively close. Like, the literally, the the part to me that's so ridiculous is that Soul Dynasty has continued every single year. People kind of forgot it. Soul Dynasty has continued to be kind of dumpster fiery, like, throughout every year of the Overwatch League. It's just they have profit. They just have profit. And, like, they literally just, like, profit and fits have... And it's a shame, because that's another player I wish I could have gone to the list, but it's just not possible, is fits. Yeah. But, yeah. like... Yeah. Uh, their DPS duo dragged them, kicking and screaming, as they just fucking papaged around all the time, <laughs> like into multiple great playoff performances. Like it's in, it's in truly incredible. That's how good Profit is. Is that he remains the goat? Well, also unlike Flutter, who's had the Shanghai Dragons banner for two years or Lip or whatever, this guy's been on the Soul Dynasty and he's still number one. Like that's th that team is papaged central and he's still number one.
it's incredible how good profit is. I don't think it can be understated how fucking incredible profit is. Yeah. And if we're talking about longevity as well, right, there's an argument to be made. Right. Well, uh, profit only started his pre-owl career um, for Apex Season 4. He missed out on Apex 1, 2, and 3, you know, people like Birdring, people like Rascal. But those guys took had to take breaks in their careers. Birdring because he wasn't as good during the 2019 and 2020 seasons the regular seasons for both of those were not highlights for uh, for bird ring sorry and then for rascal he didn't play very much in the 2018 season because profit benched him and then when you look at uh, his career he had to get back out of contenders so profit has just been able to stay consistently at the top without ever taking a dip and the only dip that you could look at was that 2019 year and Again, I feel like his individual performance, he, he fucking tried to make that team as good as he could by playing the Zarya, by playing the Brig. He swapped from role to role and was the best player on their team during both of the... Well, maybe not the best player, but he was up there on both of those roles just trying to make it work. So, yeah, this guy's a, this guy's a beast. Profit, profit with his dysfunctional teams. First alone on Spitfire two years and then the Soul Dynasty with two years. Like, he was the Sisyphus of the Overwatch League. <laughs> but the thing was, the boulder was just like five pounds too heavy. It was just like 10 pounds too heavy. He just couldn't quite do it. Like even despite his strength and his willingness to just, by all that was necessary, drag this fucking boulder up the hill. I mean, each technically season, that's canonically from the correct, Johnny. He, the Sisyphus never finished, never got the boulder to the top either. No, right? he rolls the boulder to the top and then it rolls back down. Oh, then it revolves. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I guess, yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess that's true. So it starts with the regular season. Dude, Prophet was just waiting. He was just waiting for one other teammate to show up and like lend a hand. Not, not, the, not you know, take, let him take breaks or whatever. He just wanted like the extra push. You know, even if it was just like the, the side hand to add these extra 10 pounds to this rock, just please help him roll this up the hill. Because he, but he was part of the most dysfunctional teams that couldn't figure out the Ghostman in 2019, Soul Dynasty in 2020 until Gesture by God's mercy found the road dog and become a very biblical hero in describing Prophet. <laughs> but it's because he deserves it. <laughs> Gesture found the road dog and Prophet was just like, thank fuck, someone on this team can help me perform at the highest level. And that's how they reached the grand final with Gesture playing the Rodog, of course, very influential in that playoff run as well. That was an amazing playoffs. We had uh, the conversation like, if uh, Sol Dynasty wins here with uh, Profit and Gesture, then they are the most uh, accomplished duo, the best duo of all time in the Overwatch as well. They ended up getting second place to Shog, of course, and that storyline, you know, got a bit foggy. Um, couldn't figure that out. But Profit... He, he was so influential in getting these teams so close to winning all the time, um, yeah. even until the stage four in 2021 when they lost in the first round of the stage. Yeah. I mean, not mad about the list that we created I think our list at all, good. actually. I think it's a pretty list decent really list. Yeah. Um, now, yeah, let's take Oof. a look. Oh, so Rascal actually won a tiebreaker over Carpe. Oh, wait, actually, there is one person. There is one person from this list that I am mad is not on it. But, like, realistically, uh, I mean, I sort of get it. But, you know, it's whatever. Which is who? Yaki. Yaki. Right. Yaki's one of those players who's phenomenally skilled. But I felt I really wanted to put him up there. I mean, I, I couldn't personally make an argument to put him in the top 10 at all, but I wanted to put him around like, I wanted to put him at 12th, which is where we actually ended up putting him collectively, but I just couldn't. The guy is a super skilled hyper flex, but he just doesn't have the, the, the stuff that other people do to be able to boost him up the list. Ans is one of the players that I felt 
is potentially robbed in this because if you think about like the comparison between Ans and Leave, for example, both had one year of being outstanding. I mean, Ans's performance in 2020, I would say best hit scan we've ever had it's, in the it's league. The best, it's the best performance I have ever seen in a video game in terms of the raw individual skill which is why i was comparing it to leave because though that's the kind of thing that you yeah. know connor's saying about leave as well is like is holy shit your eyeballs are exploding career. when you watch you can just see the talent yeah. seeping out but also ants was a important part of how the shock actually won that title too mm -hmm. in 2020 yeah. so yeah. there was a there was a reddit thread actually like yesterday and it's still probably that uh what was like what was the, the, the like the best single dominant season and like the obvious answer is jonax 2018 but I think sure. that Ans makes the top three there with his uh, hit scan performances on Shock in 2020. Like he was yeah. that good. Oh yeah. Like he was a statistical anomaly. Like he would. I remember looking at this up, but like towards the end of the season or something, I can't remember the exact stat. But it was something like that he got like 45 percent of like the first kills for the Shock. So yeah. by having Ans in your roster, you essentially just fought six versus five because Ans would half of the fights just like find the first pick and if you're six versus five you win most of the fights because that's how overwatch works so yeah. until the lineup you just win like half the fights because he was there getting first kills and the other part there obviously why he's ended up at 11th is because the career was short he really only has that one year he had some playtime in 2021 as well but it wasn't a huge amount and he didn't look as incredible as he did in 2020 but that's why I put out my tweet saying I think there's 11 must picks for the top 10 because it feels it feels brutal to me to not have a player that dominated for a year in that uh, in that kind of situation, especially when he was a big reason they actually won the championship, which is you know more than Leave accomplished, for example. Even though Leave's career is mm. uh, slightly yeah. longer, if you're talking about great seasons. Um, Let's let's take a look at Bren's list, please, Kurt, because Bren had <laughs> oh, multiple wow. players that still didn't make the top ten yeah. in your list. So I just yeah. want to know, run me through this. I don't know what the, who sure. the hell's on there. Sure, I didn't I didn't do some I didn't do any structure. I didn't okay. think was this just pure from the heart. This is pure from the heart where I made this list. Um, You've got answer fourth. Yeah, right. I missed. I had answer fourth. Now, I mean, that's the big one. I think you've said a lot of good points, but. A title win, which he was incredibly uh, crucial towards as well as a player, um, but he was one of the he was one of the outliers alongside in terms of some of these players I put down. They went up there just because I think their peak performance was something exceptional, and there is no more exceptional player than Ans in my mind. From when I my entire time of watching the Overwatch League, and when I was analyzing in 2018, 2019 on a desk, and from casting in 2020, 2021, the sheer numbers he was putting up, the things he was accomplishing in the servers and how much impact he had, but also the fact that he was able to pick up new roles and he wasn't just this hit scan one trick pony that a lot of people think he was. He played other roles. I remember his May was actually really good for the shock yeah, at given points. Anz was, I think he's one of these rare talents that you're just not gonna witness for a long time. I mean, it's, it's a player like that will come along, but yeah, it, the right circumstances at the right time, Anz was fostered into that environment of the shock. The structure around him allowed him to excel. And I'm telling you, man, the numbers he put up, the shots he hit, it was inhuman, inhuman gameplay that I was witnessing. You know, it, 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 it's, there's truly, truly amazing players and amazing players over the course of Overwatch's history, but Anz consistently would put out just 
I don't even know how to describe it. it I, I have a real bias as well for just hit scan players in general. Mm-hmm. So that's part of it with him making it really high up in my list. But I mean, that's that DM when I'm looking mm-hmm. down at eighth. Yeah. I mean, that is a name that I don't think anyone else has got on theirs. Yeah. I, I, have, a, yeah. I have a real bias for, for hit scan players, but he's very skilled. Dude, Anz is... Didn't win much. Anz was special, yeah. I'm telling you. Also hasn't played that much recently either. And I yep. mean, Libero being on top 10, that's going to really get the New York boomers riled up. The New York I, I, have, I have a hot that take one. that, I mean, I think Libero over the course of like the core NYXL roster's career was their best player. It's not wow. Even, I, mean, I mean, that's, that's that a is hot, hot take. But when you have Mano and Sabi Olby there as well. I don't think it's that hot. Jonah? Jonah? <laughs> I don't think it's that hot. That's I mean, I think I, I actually, I don't think it's I that actually hot. think the I think that guy is criminally underrated. I mean, like, he might be underrated. I fucking yeah. stan Libero. I swear to God. I, I feel like he didn't get opportunities as well to play, right? Because he ended up retiring in coming into, what into was it, 2021? I yeah, think? he ended, he ended, he retired at the end of 2020, I thought. It became like and a it, crypto hedge fund manager. A crypto I don't know what the fuck he did. Yeah. I, I don't care what he did outside of his life now, but as long as he hasn't killed anybody, let's just get that out. <laughs> but the, the, the point I'm making is he was, we've described a lot of these players as the glue that holds these teams together. Liberal was that glue and his performance was so subtly good. Every single time, the focal point of New York Excelsior's play was always Jonak, Mano, Sabi Obi, and he always fell to the wayside. But my God, was that guy the consistent performer and sometimes the best player on the team in a given match at a given day. He, he got hard done by, I think, criminally underrated by a lot of people. Talk about criminally underrated. Fitz doesn't make your list as well. And yeah, Fitz, Fitz is, is one of the players list. that I felt rough leaving out of my of my top lists, but I, I put him in the 13th. Now, the player that is shockingly low here that I feel like I robbed is Leave. But I just couldn't put a single year of dominance high enough. And I and I know that that seems silly when I've got Ants there as well, but I'm on Bren's side that Ants, I feel, was even more spectacular than Leave. And I know that that's going to be extremely contentious. That because Leave was also a hyperflex, right? Leave mm-hmm. played everything, and yeah. so for some people that just naturally they obviously get higher than Ants in that situation. You want me and, to do it? What do you what? want me to do it, Taito? I can be, I can be the person. Okay. I don't know what you're going to do. What are you going to do? Leave never won anything. Okay. He made it and, deep in a couple of stages. He never won that, a stage. But that's and not he got the fifth point to of, sixth in the playoffs. That's okay. not the point. You not, that's not the, the point. That's not the point. That's not the point, right? But it was one of the reasons that I ended up having Ants a smidgen above leave. And I went back and forth on this a few times. And when you were all talking about leave, I thought to myself, wow, I've really, really fucking done this guy dirty. But when Ants has one year of being insane, like the easily the best hit scan from that season. The crucial element in them getting a championship title. And that's the thing. He was such an important element in them actually winning the title. I can't feel too bad about it. But generally speaking, I kept people like Anson Leave, who had one year of dominance pretty low because I was really rating this like at least one and a half, two years of dominance to even make the top 10. Um, so, yeah. These, we have this a pretty was... similar list, you and me. So, that's uh, interesting. I did rank Haxel one spot too high, I think. I'd like to drag down Haxel to sixth, maybe. But otherwise, I, I, I put Striker above Lip. For like the sole reason that like I did what you did, Josh, and like I rated the seasons and I compared them and I was like, 
Strikers 2018 to Lips 2020 and Strikers 2020 to Lips 2021. Like they're about even. I would say Lips slightly edges him out in that comparison. But then Striker have the 2019 playoffs like as the cherry on top of his cool. career. And so very narrowly, that was one of my last minute substitutions. But yeah, Fitz 12 as well. I think on paper, Fitz has a really good career and he's perpetually underrated because his teams hasn't really been able to participate that much in the stage playoffs or what have you besides from that um, 2020 playoffs where like he played a good Widowmaker as well. But did he play Hansa? No, he played Widowmaker and probably played Hansa, right? Um, yeah. Hans, I did underrate because that there was just a single season. I put Soon at 15 because he was a legend of the sport early on. He was an absolute god on Tracer in 2016, 2017. Um, 2018, he was largely still influential on the LA Valiant. Like, I think people forget how good Soon was on Tracer in 2018. But then he started to drop off when he got on Paris, Eternal, etc. He was still kind of influential on Paris in 2020. He was you know? decent he, in 2020. Like he he was decent comeback. in 2020. Yeah. So yeah. I had to give him a point, you know? I had to give Soon a point because uh, he deserves to be recognized. He, got, he, got, he made 19th on my list. I, I okay. Yeah, I didn't have soon in my list, but I know you have that European love. Uh, also, I realize in my list, Flood and Prophet should have been swapped. I submitted the wrong thing to Kurt. It's my fault, not Kurt's. Holy mother of God, you have Yaki at four. Four? Yep. Yep. Yo! Yep. So is I that spoon on the yep. phone? Or what's going on here? Tell me, I mean, I'm assuming this is purely off eye test skill. Yeah. Holy I, shit, I, the guy's I, a beast. I think, I think I approach this list way different, you guys, and the fact that, like, I don't view a top, I don't care if they've won because it's a team game it's about what i really just believe their capabilities are like winning is great but i just don't like if the world's strongest man doesn't compete in a competition is he no longer the world's strongest man like he still is he just hasn't competed he hasn't won the official title but he's still really good and that's why sort of i view this is like this is a team game you're not always going to be winning everything because it's a team-based game i truly believe that yaki is a top five dps player in overwatch i think he's an incredible hyperflex player I think the amount of impact he's had on bad teams, especially at the top level, because like that's been, and also you read that he had a very good, solid career runaway before Overwatch League, too, yeah, yeah, where he was fucking owning. Like Yaki, I think got done a little dirty. I will also admit that like I wish Fitzer could have been higher. It's tough for a lot of these people. I think also another player that seems pretty absent on these lists is Doha, who was just as influential with these runs in the Overwatch League as Sparkle was with the Dallas Fuel with Element Mystic, like. Doha also was one of those early redefining players for Element Mystic with the Hackfist style as well. Like, he was like the lip before lip. But, like, the dude was incredible. I feel like Doha got done a little dirty here as well. Um, I just, he he didn't really do much in 2020 at all. I think his 2020 was still good, though. He was still good. He just wasn't wasn't, amazing, but he was good. So, it's basically one season... And with Dallas Mystic. Fuel and then Element Mystic, which I, yeah. I don't, wasn't enough. And to I get feel him like I list. feel like that's to me a two-year-long Overwatch League career with one of those years being great and one of the years being good, and then a, a contender's career in 2019 being amazing and probably defining Sombra play at that time. Like hmm. there are definitely players that have made this list that we have probably like that we have rated around similar with that sort of career. And I think Doha is incredibly flexible and incredibly good at what he's done. Like he's just like he reminds me he's kind of like a rascal type, but he actually does like i think he's a little bit more frag heavy and less brain powery than rascal you know connor so i hate my list but i hate your list more (laughs) oh that's fair that's fair i mean i think i think we just have very different objectives with the list i don't i the accomplishments are great but i'm rating truly what i believe the player stands in overwatch history also i think he's who got done dirty not being in the top 15 because another player that was great in contenders 
was the defining factor of Philadelphia Fusion in the latter half of their season and was still pretty good with Toronto Defiant. Um, yeah, he assumes a decent a decent candidate for being down somewhere, you know, sneaking on the bottom. Towards the bottom, the bottom of like that. The, yeah. the people that snuck on the bottom of my lists, you know, like your 15th, your like 12th through 20th, tended to be the players that had one insane season. So I'm talking yeah. Pelican, Kevster, these kind of guys who obviously yeah. are not going to get on a greatest of all time list because they just don't have the all time part. But no. they had at least, I mean, especially for Pelican, Holy shit, what an incredible what year. one yeah. year he had. Made it to a finals. Like, I, you got to have him in contention also, for some of those spots. was incredible before that, too. I, I per, The problem is, is like, there was just other players that had more history than them. Like, yeah. but realistically, if we had done, like, if we had done, like, we a had done one of list, 2021, like, Kevster then, and, like, Pelican, yeah. like, they would have been there for sure. Ons would have been there. Like, they all would have been there. It's just, like, it's just, it's part of the risk was also, like, <laughs> how long they were good. Like, how long I feel like they've been good. Wait, yeah. they had been multiple Oh, years. God. Oh, let's so. take a look at Matt's. Oh, God. Let's take a look at Matt's. So, he had Fletcher. Is he the only person that had Fletcher number one? Huh. Did you have profit number one as well, uh, Matt? I, w I, I was supposed to have profit. I, I submitted it wrong to Kurt. It was supposed to be profit Fleta, but on the official list that Kurt has, it's Fleta profit, but it's my fault. I, I didn't check when I put the okay. list. But well, I it, it didn't make a difference either way, but okay. So yeah. the K10 is the one that stands out here. Otherwise, looking pretty... I mean, yeah, he's I got mean, Kepser 11 too. Yeah, he has I mean, Carpe is. extremely high. Well, maybe not extremely high, but quite a bit higher than the rest of us at sixth. And yeah, Decay really stands out at 10th. It's not um, his worst list. I've seen way worse. No, lists yeah, his, oh, his yeah. earlier lists are definitely worse than this. Yeah. <laughs> this one's very reasonable from Mr. Mm -hmm. X, actually. Yeah. Very reasonable. It list is weird creation. that none of us really had decay high at all, I think. But also, I don't think it's unfair when we consider the greater, like the entirety of the Overwatch scene and where decay has fit, you know? Yeah. Like he had one amazing year and has not lived up to the hype of that ever again. And also didn't, was not quite as accomplished pre Overwatch League either. So I mean, what is the case career? It's benching himself on Dallas Fuel because he didn't like the team, has a Saria playoff run, and then in 2021 being really good on Tracer, but recusing himself from playing long-range hitscan because he doesn't have the confidence. That's his Overwatch League career. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, also being a pretty damn good Zarya during GOATs, but not and fair enough. Not yeah. Fair Which also player. I didn't rate that too heavily, right? Like I just yeah, rated exactly. like the GOATs, like they had weight just. You had the worst list. It's got to be, in my opinion, it's got to be, I mean, it has to be I, you or Connor, and I think I'm leaning towards you, mate. <laughs> no. I think I, I'm leaning I feel towards like, you. I feel like the list, DPS list was, it's hard, but there's just so many good picks, it's kind of hard to make just like a bad, bad list, exactly, you know? Exactly, yeah. I had the because least Because there's so list. many good players. So Incredible. It's tough. Incredible. I also feel I would, like I always approach the list very differently than everyone else throughout yeah, the also, entirety of all sure. of these lists. Let's, let's so. stop with the negativity. In the comments section, tell us who you think had the best list. Yeah. All right? Who do you agree with yeah. the most? Yeah. I actually molded. I actually molded straight from positivity. I molded at how much praise you got last week, Josh, for your main tank list. Because... <laughs> People just universally just like believe that you were like the fucking Jesus or not Jesus Moses coming down the hill with the Ten Commandments of like the best main tank players. And I was like, this is a bunch of bullshit. 
we 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 can't do all this bullshit because some imaginary guy in the sky said this shit. No, I was fuming when I saw. I know. I saw you. You tweeted oh, or something Lord. saying, "I can't believe I'm getting roasted for this main tank list." I'm telling ah. you, it was it was the impassioned speech. All right, the Overwatch community loves an impassioned rant. They, they loved they your rascal one. They loved my one about fate. Just if you have a hot take, but you can go on for three minutes and make it sound somewhat coherent. Oh, yeah. you've won them over. You've won them. But Johnny, mm. you didn't view the opposite because there was plenty of other people saying that my list was the best on on other social media platforms. So really, when you think oh. about it, on other social, what you mean, like Tumblr, Reddit, Pfft, Reddit. What the fuck are you, where are you looking? <laughs> no, it was Reddit. It was Reddit. It's just Reddit. Like I, I don't, I never, name. Also, I promised myself to never read YouTube. I don't know where you've seen the Josh praise. I'm assuming in Reddit or YouTube comments. I would rather blind myself with a hot iron than read YouTube comments. But never. also, the way I, the way I excuse it, make is sure you I, subscribe and comment yeah, to our YouTube sure you channel. Make sure you comment yeah. to our I'm channel. Not the Plat Chat YouTube comments. Exactly. Abbas uh, respects uh, all of you. I respect. Uh -huh. I, I, I have one question for you, Abbas. Last week after the main tank rankings. Uh, did, did you get a DM from someone that validated your rankings? Uh, I mean, not real. Honestly, comparatively to the support rankings, it was it was kind of quiet. No base, no base comment. No base yeah, comment I, on that one. Okay. Yeah. As <laughs> as I made that rant on the live premiere, Super DM'd me and said, "Based." <laughs> <laughs> So there yeah, you go. Because you put in number one, of course he thinks it's based. No, I hadn't even got to that yet. I hadn't even got to that. We were oh. discussing Wait, that's, fate. Wait, it's always three. Super then, because Super was the one that DM me about the support one. It was like, I know. Based. He's the biggest <laughs> fan of this. DMs based people. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> all right, well, that is all of the roles in Overwatch. That's all of it. So wow. what are we gonna do for the rest of the 17 month off season? Oh, we, we have to do uh, we have to do Brent's player of the week this week. I know we didn't do it for the previous rankings, but we have to do uh, Brent's player of the week because no, of news today. We don't. We haven't been doing those for these episodes at all. Okay, you don't think today's news is worthy of a? It, it'll, the Brent's player of the week recipient will be queued up. <laughs> and it'll be queued up for the next episode. But it, we have to strict. We have to adhere to the strict order. There are strict rules and order. Yeah, oh, it makes okay. sense. Um, we, we, you know, we're considering a bunch of different things for the off season. But honestly, if you have ideas, throw them into the comments as well. We enjoyed doing those like team previews, and it seems like people really enjoyed those in the previous years. So we might pump out a few of those. Um, we were considering just before the show, like an all-time just greatest of Overwatch, like goat Overwatch, could be pulled from any. That's that position. would be horrific. That would be horrendous. <laughs> oh, but I mean, it would be. But content. also maybe amazing. I mean, it would be content. But I think the people would people like the idea of it, but they don't actually want it. Who knows? Who knows? You, you know, know what? I mean? As well, something else that um, someone DM me about: Formula One has a different rating, uh, like weighting system do their rankings. So the way that we did it is that if you're fifth, if you play someone 15th, they get one point. If you play someone at number one, they get 15 points. Mm -hmm. uh, F1 has a much more weighted, staggered approach. So if you place, you only get points for placing in the top 10. Mm -hmm. If you get first, you get 10 points. Second is like eight points. Third is like four points or something. I can't remember exactly how it goes. That mm -hmm. doesn't even make sense. But it's something like that, where there's like, it's much more heavily weighted for higher placements. And so that could be a cool waiting system to apply to the greatest of all time just players in Overwatch. Because that way, even if you have very, very different people involved, mm -hmm. you still get waitings for who you think is the best. Anyway, 
nerdy waiting shit. What What are you talking about? I don't know. I just went off on the <laughs> there for a moment. I already tried applying the NFL to the awards and I didn't like it. Do we have to do Formula One as well? No, we don't have we to. Just not, we just make it our own thing. We can scratch I, it entirely. I, I, I feel like I would enjoy Formula One if I took the time to ever get invested in it. But the problem is, is that I just don't care about cars. So that's <laughs> like the problem. What about people in the cars? That's the thing that you would think that they would care about the fleshy pilot inside the metal machine, but I, I'm not. You know, it's just it, I have to break that barrier down somehow. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see you next time. Oh my god. <laughs> Bye.